0: a safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. So have you rated this podcast yet? If not, I encourage you to take a moment and click over to the Apple Podcast app on your phone. It's that little purple icon to leave a rating and a review. Share the podcast link with a friend, a family member, a teacher, a therapist, or anyone else you think could benefit from what gets shared here. I would be so grateful. I am a one-woman show. There's no social media coordinator or PR person, no production or editing help. I'm recording outside. Hopefully the sounds, the background sounds are lovely, but it's all me, and I put a lot of love and work and time into this podcast. I am very proud of it, and I would love your help in spreading the word so more people are able to find it. And don't forget the writing journal for parents and caregivers. There is joy to be found here. Copies are available on my website at anfricky.com backslash bookstore, and you can find a link in the show notes digital and print copies are available, and I think this book is a great way to create a practice of making a little bit of time for yourself, and it's a way to dive into this journey and really try to process, understand, accept, and appreciate your experiences of raising a child with special needs. I have copies for sale, and I also have copies to give away, so if you... Um, are low on funds and would love a copy then please email me and I will get one to you okay business is done that was short and sweet and now let's uh, talk about what we have today today I have for you a very special interview one that I have found very helpful I invited Jamila Bashir a special education teacher and IEP coach back to the podcast to discuss how we can talk to our kids about racism and discrimination and i'm gonna get heavy for a minute now if you're like me perhaps you've put off the conversation of race my daughters are white we live in a predominantly white rural area northern california and racial issues are not something at the forefront of their experiences my thinking and yes my privilege has always been to try and shield them from the hatefulness in the world for as long as possible even when i read the little house on the prairie books to my oldest daughter i left out any of the references to uh, bigotry against native americans i just skipped right over those and i will say (laughs) that in part thanks to social media to good teachers and hopefully some of what i have taught her my daughter is very educated about social issues in a way that i don't remember being at that age and it's really amazing to see her and her friends and how how enlightened they are and she has a very solid open-hearted stance of equality for all. So so I think maybe skipping those references in the in uh in the little house on the prairie books and that outdated book were okay. But what I learned from Jamila in this conversation, what I took away from this conversation was the importance of talking to our kids about the racism that we see today because it affects all of us. Our children will see it. They will hear it, they will witness it, they may succumb to it, they may be victims of it, or they may benefit from it. Racism is a thread so tightly woven into the tapestry of this country, it is difficult to find the beginning or separate it from the others. This is a podcast open to all gathering parents and caregivers from all walks of life under the umbrella of special needs, and I want everyone to feel safe here. Now I ask you, I implore you to listen to this episode with an open mind. Perhaps you are already talking to your children about race and discrimination, and maybe that's an easy conversation for you to have. Maybe you don't think you need to be having the conversation at, at their age. Or perhaps you don't understand the need for the Black Lives Matter movement and are tired of hearing about it. But please wait a moment before hitting the stop button. We are all in this together. Whatever political leaning, whatever social morals, we are here together trying to find our way through. And we all have something in common. We love someone or many people with special needs. People who have been marginalized in society for forever. People who have been called freaks and criminals, sold as sideshow circus acts, or left to wilt in hospitals and group homes. People discarded and bereft of the decency of society. Our children live much safer, fuller, happier lives because people have stood up for them their needs and their rights. People have demanded they be treated decently. One of the first uh, Google searches that I did um, when we received our daughter's diagnosis, this was something we're told not to do, but I did. And I remember one of the searches brought up a painting of a young girl, incredibly overweight, disturbingly underdressed, posed in front of an array of food. The caption suggested that this young girl, however long ago she existed, may have had the same disorder and been treated as entertainment, to put it gently. Now that image still haunts me. And perhaps you're thinking that I'm getting off topic. But trust me, this is all connected. Our president stood upon a platform in front of a large crowd of people and mocked a man with cerebral palsy literally raised an arm to his chest with his wrist cocked in a mimicry I hadn't seen since I was a child on the playground. And when Nazis marched in Charlottesville, he claimed they were very fine people on both sides. In this time, now, today, we must talk to our children about racism and discrimination. They are hearing it and seeing it, even from the leaders who are supposed to represent us all and it is our job to help give them the tools to fight it. Think what you want about Trump's economic agenda or his stance on abortion, which I know is the only reason some people voted for him, but he is not a decent person. And the terror is that people are feeling emboldened to follow his lead. Where does it end? We must talk to our children, find out what they know and what they've seen We must give them the tools, a game plan, for how to handle situations in which someone is being discriminated against. We must teach them how to stand up for each other. At this point in our nation, we are so incredibly divided, getting more so, and it is terrifying. There is only one way forward, and that is together. If not now. When, if not us,
1: who? Mm-hmm. You know, because and soak up so much of what they say and do. I don't think sometimes parents realize it. Yeah. And then they repeat things. You're like, "Where did you hear it from? I heard it from you."
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of that. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um commercial but i remember when i was a kid there was a commercial of like the mom finding a joint in uh her daughter's purse or something or, or the desk whatever something like that and i think it's the dad he's like where did you learn this and and the kids like i learned it by watching you dad i learned it by watching yeah. you <laughs> i
1: remember, i i think i've seen it and I've, I've seen comedians make fun of that but it it it, it, it is it happens yeah, yeah. so
0: Yeah, well, so, and this is kind of what I wanted to start, I went ahead and hit record because we um, were uh, kind of getting into it already, but just to um, let everyone know, I'm here with Jamila Bashir again, and we are... carrying on this conversation about uh, what we spoke a few weeks ago about racism and special education. And now Jamila is coming on to talk about um, how can we talk to our kids about racism and discrimination? And she's got some tips and some books, some great resources. So, um, but I just wanted to start kind of where we were going was that, you know, I was raised in a white working class family in Southern Indiana. And my parents were from Pennsylvania. Uh, around Pittsburgh, and,
1: oh, where I'm from, well, I'm from Stanley, yeah. but, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: and uh, and that's actually where I was born, so, um, well, in Pittsburgh, anyway, so, you know, I was raised, you know, my, my, in southern Indiana, you know, it's uh, the middle of the country, and so I definitely would go to friends' houses, and I would, you know, sometimes the parents would throw out the n-word, or they would, or they would, you know, say a racist joke, or something, and, you know, at my house, that wasn't allowed, you know, we 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 weren't a racist family. There's no jokes, and we didn't say the N word, and like that was it. But that was as far as the discourse went, and so you know, I never really learned how to talk about it. I just knew like, oh no, we're, you know, we don't do that, and um, and it wasn't until like about three or four years ago, if even, um, I went to this poetry night because I do this poetry night once a month, and. Sometimes these traveling poets come through. And I want to mention this man because he's having a lot of success lately. He is a young, uh, he was a young Black poet from Stockton, California. And um, he did this workshop, which I didn't get to do the workshop because of childcare uh, needs. Um, but at the, when he got up to perform, he was talking about this workshop that he did. And right before and this is when i first really learned about implicit bias which is what we were talking about last time and you know when he was saying like look it's not enough to just say well i'm not racist because we all are raised with you know in this culture where we're getting you know we have these lessons and these morals and we don't always recognize them or understand them or you know really really look at them and so it's important to look beyond just that saying I'm not racist because you know yes maybe you're not actively like you know making comments or jokes or you know putting you know whatever going out on the street and acting that way but you have these implicit biases that it's still important to look at and to understand and so um, his name is Brandon Leek and I'm going to put a link to his Instagram in the show notes because he is the first spoken word poet on America's Got Talent and so he's having a lot of oh that's
1: awesome
0: yeah yeah and he's just he's he was very inspiring and um i think it would be great for people to check him out but i just think you know for for so many years i was just like uh you know i I don't anyway my point is i want to defer to you because i don't i still don't know how to talk about racism so much because i was never really taught how to and it's only been recently that it's been made clear to me that it's a conversation that's important to have, whether you think it's important to have or not. So thank you for being here.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's, it's it's very, um, it's a very needed conversation, especially in our current um, time, you know, in our country, a lot of the, you know, uproar just about the, um, you know, the police brutality that is going on and how, uh, many african americans are being killed in the custody of you know police and whereas when you look at it when when you look at these videos and then you look at what the person did and it's like was that was that force even necessary to do and should you be doing that type of force at all um when you compare it to other videos of you know a white person being arrested and you're like he's talking to this person you know he's letting them sit down and there is you know it it, it it's not the same, mm-hmm. you know, the treatment isn't the same when it comes to a white individual. And then also seeing how men you have, like now they're calling it the Karens, you see the, the Karens and the Kevins, white, primarily white women, they call them Karen, seeing how some white women just feel the need to approach black people and ask them, do you even live here? Do you, is this your car? Do you, or do you work here whatever? And it's like, how dare you that's first of all that's not your place that's none of your business and then even watching how they are falsely reporting reporting to police what's being done to them and that's not even what's happening and they're losing their jobs and they're, and, and and i and i totally agree that's exactly what they get they should lose their jobs and i really feel they um they need to start being charged for um for calling in false reports of black pe- black men or women attacking them or doing things to them. That's not even happening. You know, and a prime example is the, the I can't remember if it was New York or if it was LA, I'm not sure, but the man who was bird watching and the woman was there with her dog and he just said, put it on put, you know, your dog on a leash, which is the rule. And she called the police and was saying that this man is attack is attacking her. You know, she's feeling um, threatened or whatever. And looking at the video, the man is so calm, like, so calm in the video he's not even doing anything
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I'm like you know she should be she should be charged for calling him you know reports of that so it's a lot of things like that and you believe it or not some of your kids may see it you know because you know they have their internet or they may hear about it from a friend you know what I mean and it's like they and then they'll come to you the parent like well I saw this or I heard this or you know, they may want to talk about something. They have questions, and I, I don't think it's healthy to ignore them. To say, "Oh, that's not that doesn't happen in this house," or "That doesn't happen in our neighborhood," mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a bit naive to think it doesn't happen. You know, people do a great job of wearing a mask daily, of who they really are, inside. You know, um, so I don't think it's healthy to ignore your child when they come to you with questions about it. I do think it's healthy to Allow your child to express what they're hearing, say, you know what I mean? Have that conversation and it may be uncomfortable for you. You just have to be, you have to sit in that uncomfortability.
0: You Mm -hmm. have to just
1: sit in it for that moment to have this conversation with your child. Right. So, yeah. So I want to say, I'm not sure how many weeks ago um, on my um, IEP coach page, um, I had my friend, Cheyenne Burrell, she's a master's level um, social worker. And she had to do a, um, a talk with, her, you know, she had to do a talk with parents for the agency that she works for. So um, we were just talking amongst, you know, her and I, you know, just our friends. And she was just like, you know, how do these tips sound or whatever. And I said, oh, they're great. And then I said, oh, can you come, let's do a live where, you know, um, you share this again, that way it could just be like an open conversation. And, you know, so we did the live and um, she gave some great tips, about three tips. And then I shared um, some resources I found online, um, books that help parents talk about racism. There were books that um, discuss ethnicity and diversity, and there were books that dis- that discuss race. So I posted like all, I posted like three or four separate links. Um, there was one in particular that focused on um, books that introduced race and, and ethnicity to kids with autism. So I'll get into all of that after um, I just go over the tips um, my friend Cheyenne Burrell shared. So. Her first tip was to keep, when, when having a conversation with your child about racism, to keep in mind their age. Um, she said you want to lead in in an appropriate manner. So if they're, like, below four, you don't want to address maybe a three-year-old the way you would address a nine-year-old. Obviously, because they're different, um, st- they're at different stages in development, clearly, you know, hmm. the nine year old is way more mature than a four year old. Um, but she was saying like, if if they're like four and up, you want to let them lead the conversation. Um, so like, just let them talk. Basically, what have they heard? What have they seen? How, you know how they're feeling, and what do they think about it? I even ask them what do they think about what is happening? Um, and she was just, and she also shared like if the child is below four, you may want to use books um, to have the discussion. So like you know, books on their level to have the discussion, which I think is a great idea because you know, the books have illustrations, you know, and and that can help children understand. Um, certain topics and it's a great dialogue to have with her child so that was her first tip keeping them on their age so you know how to um, approach the conversation and giving them the opportunity to just share with you everything that they have heard saw how they feel and all of that and she said do not interrupt them when they're doing it like some, cause sometimes when children are talking with their parents, the parents sometimes cut them off like, oh, no, that's not or they want to downplay how the child is feeling because they are in, because they're uncomfortable with having a conversation. So she said, just let them speak, let them share out everything. So that was the first tip, keeping child, your child's age. And that's how you're going to um, decide how you're going to go into the conversation. Mm -hmm. um her second her second tip was reflection so you want to validate your child's feelings and acknowledge them you want to share that you um she said like sometimes um parents well just adults we have a habit of explaining why somebody did what they did so it's like in this case this is racism and, you know we may assume oh you know what he probably grew up in a terrible home he probably grew up with racist parents and they did this in the house and blah 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 and that might, that may not even be the case at all so she was just saying it's okay for you to share that you don't understand why a person acts the way they acts the way it's okay for you to say I don't know why that person behaved the way they did without make you know like don't make a explanation for that person it's okay to say I don't know why that person, behaves the way they behave she said don't make assumptions because children will take that and assume that's how it is for every time they'll assume that that's the case every time they see that action so like if someone um let's say someone's being mean to them at school or they have a bully you know parents may say well you know he may have been bullied or he could be a, a Getting in a lot of trouble at home or whatever and come to find out that kid just acted out because they didn't get what they want but because you said because you made an assumption oh he has a troubled life or he's been bullied, your child then thinks every time they see that behavior from someone oh that person must not come from a good home they must have a, a hard life so she uh, a hard life so she was just saying don't make assumptions for someone's bad behavior and it is okay to say you you don't know why a person is acting the way they're acting so in the case of racism it's fine to say you don't understand why a person would look at another person of another race and just not and not like them because of the color of their skin she said it's okay to say that don't don't make an assumption of why a person is racist Mm -hmm. um she was also saying that um it's okay to say i don't understand don't use blanket statements and don't place anxiety on your child. You know, cause sometimes as parents, you parents will, or just, you know, I'll just say adults will push their fears off on, on kids. They'll push their anxieties off on kids. Like they're, they have anxiety about, about um, something and they push that off on their children as well. And she said, definitely do not do that. Don't use blanket statements. And don't make assumptions for people's behavior. And it's okay to say you don't understand why someone is racist. You don't understand why someone would be oppressive to somebody else based off the color of their skin. It is okay to share that with your child and to make sure that you allow the reflection time to validate your child's feelings and acknowledging them. Um, her last tip was accept things that are, accept things that you're not used to. Um, so like when things happen in the moment, correct a behavior. Some, she said, uh, she was mentioning how a lot of times parents in the moment that they see, let's say for instance, your child, um, is let's say your child is not treating a, um, another peer um, respectfully or correctly. You, she she mentioned that you should correct them in that moment, correct the behavior in that moment. She said a lot of times parents will wait till later. They may say, well, I don't want to say anything right now. I don't want to do anything. I'll just talk to them later. And she said, when you go talk to your kids later, your kids your kids forgot mm. what happened and what they did. And she was saying, Correct them in that moment so that way they can make the connection with what they're doing that it's not appropriate and it's not right to do. Whereas waiting until later and they and them forgot about it. So those were like her, the three main tips that she shared um, in the talk. Keep in mind the child's age when you're having a discussion so you know, I guess, which way of how to start the conversation. Allow time for reflection. Validate their feelings, acknowledge them. It's okay to share that you don't understand why a person behaves the way they behave. Don't use blanket statements. Don't place your anxiety on your children. And um, accept things that they are not used to. And correct the behavior in a moment. If you see something in your child, if you see your child doing something, behaving a certain way that you know it's not great and, and you know it's not the the best manner correct them in that moment and don't wait until later so those are like the three main tips of talking with your children about racism um,
0: those are those so, are yeah I, yeah I feel like there's a lot of um tips in there <laughs> I, got, I got a, a lot. yeah
1: of it was yeah it was a um it was a nice conversation because mm-hmm. you know um like I said, she, um, she's a master's level social worker. So she has, you know, she has done, you know, sessions with parents, supports parents and supporting them as they have these conversations, you know, with, um, with their children. Um, And she's, you know, and a lot of this was just coming from the experiences she has had, you know, supporting her families. Um, And the biggest um, part that we stayed on during the conversation was her tip number two and tip number three the reflection part um because we talked about how um a lot of times when kids are talking you know and sharing their feelings sometimes parents say oh you shouldn't feel that way (laughs) or parents may say oh like i said well we don't we don't do that as a family that's not us this neighborhood is pretty safe we don't do that no one has done that you know what i mean you make an excuse for behavior or you know if your child shares that oh I heard someone so use the n-word or whatever you Mm -hmm. may downplay it or ignore it because you don't want to talk about it and she was just saying that is not the best way to do that you have to address it don't make an excuse for why um the peer used the n-word just you can say I don't know why that person used the n-word but you know explain to your child that is not a term we use ever and Mm -hmm. why you don't use it explain the why you know a lot of times you know you have parents it's do as I say not as I do and Mm -hmm. your kid may have your kid may repeat something because they heard you they saw that they may repeat an action because they saw you do it and they'll repeat something because they heard you say it so they think it's okay and um I think what's going um with the present climate is also putting a mirror up to some parents. Mm. You know, um, I recently, I recently saw a video. It was, a um, it was a white teenage girl. She had to been, she had to been high school age. <clears throat> I want to say maybe 10th grade. And she was literally in an argument with her mother and father about black lives matter. And she was just saying, you know, telling her parents, and her parents were saying, well, all lives matter. And, da, da, da. and she was like, she was like yes all lives matter but black lives matter like do you see and, and the daughter is like do you see what's happening to black people specifically do you see why they are marching do you see why she's in like the daughter even had like statistics she said they are getting killed like people are killing them like the daughter i'll say had a better understanding Mm -hmm. And a more mature understanding than her parents. Like, it was kind of sad to see because I'm like, Dad, I was just thinking to myself, like, she lives in this house with this mindset from her parents. She has a completely different mindset than her parents, but she has to, you know, live here. And I'm just thinking, imagine children, small children, that live in a household like that. Oh, it's all lives better. And it's like, of course all lives matter but you have to understand why we have why we have a movement why we have an organization called black lives matter
0: mm-hmm.
1: like you have to understand that that's like um that's like um if um i heard someone use this example he was just saying um let's say you know whales are about to go extinct and you're doing extra work for the whales and someone says well no all animals matter and it's like no but particularly all whales matter right because they're going insane. and it's like you it's the same thing with black people like black lives matter it's a reason like to understand the reason why we have black lives matter is because black people are being killed at a higher rate than it anybody else it's like we are i'm not gonna say it's like we are under attack african americans we are black men black women black children i even saw a video where uh um a young black boy he's outside playing outside in front of his house when he heard cops cars coming he hid behind a car until they drove past his house
0: i saw that
1: yes and i'm just like (sighs) The fact he knows, you know what? I don't want them to see me. I don't want the. I may die. Mm. You know, I may die. That's just like the young, was it, um, the young black boy who was in the park playing with a, what was he playing with a toy gun? And the cops thought it was a real gun and killed him. And it's like, what if you, I'm like, you know, like just imagine if you might've just stopped for a moment to just better assess that situation versus just automatically, you know, coming out, and I'm like, this is, it's a reason, and people have to understand, it's a reason we have the Black Lives, we have Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. and, like, people, you know, we have some people who say, well, no, all lives matter, and it's like, you're missing the point, yeah, you're missing the point, you're so missing the point, so, no, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to, yeah, it's a very frustrating conversation to have with, you know, someone who's who's arguing that, like, there's just this this inability to look beyond, to really see, like, the root of the problem, to understand that, yeah, it's not this, it's not this movement that's saying, well, we're more important than you, it's this movement that's saying, you know I, I saw this our,
1: like we deserve to be protected the way you are like we deserve to you know what i mean mm-hmm. be able to just go into our homes without someone calling the cops on us to drive a certain car without someone calling the cops on us thinking that it's not ours you know what i mean mm-hmm. like by like even the videos of people going into you know they're going into their homes and you have white women and white men questioning them like do you live here do what like why are you as if they as if they don't belong and the fact that you feel comfortable enough to do that to a black person Mm -hmm. as if you are the law or something and you have kids children who are living in households with parents that have this mindset Mm -hmm. so it's and it's like you're, and, and then, you know, the kids are growing, growing in that household. They most likely will adapt the same mindset as you unless they are just around different people. Right. And they get to learn for themselves, you know, through friends, people in the neighborhood or through friends from school. You know, so like we spent a long time on the reflection part and then correcting behavior in the moment and it's like you know recently i had a um i was on uh it was an instagram page and it was called um it's called um it, a lot of these um ig pages of schools being black being black at certain schools have arisen and 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 the students have just been sharing their experience going to some of these prestige schools you know being black and just the racism they faced and one, and um recently it was a rally in philadelphia um, and, and they were, they rallied at Masterman High School, and Masterman High School is a, um, one of the top schools in, in Philadelphia. Um, it is predominantly white, but it's one of the, you know, top schools in Philadelphia. And one boy, he just, one young man, he just shared how he was there for elementary, um, like, uh, I'll say, like, late elementary, middle, and he was there for high school. So he was there for, like, a total of eight years. And he just shared his experience for those eight years, he said, I don't want anyone else to leave this school the way I left it. And he was saying like, I'm strong, but he said, I don't want no one else to go through what I went through. And he Mm -hmm. was just saying how he had um, two white peers who in particularly would always, you know, bother him, you know, and they would always want to get a rise out of him and they would call him the N-word. And they, so they would call him the N-word and then when he would react, that's when the teacher would send him to the office, and he would say, "You didn't just hear them call me, call me the um, an N word." And the teacher would say, "I heard you, I heard you. I didn't hear them, but I heard you." And it's like, how can that be? Like, how can you be a teacher and ignore that? And he was saying how they never got in trouble. You know what I mean? And that was just one of the experiences that he shared. You know. Um, and I'm just like, it goes back to correcting the behavior in a moment. Imagine if that teacher stood up to those students to say, that's not what we, that's not, lang- that's not language we use in this school, and how derogatory, how, how, how horrible of a word that is, and sending those students to the principal's office and writing them up. I think this, those two students, even if they, they still want to use the word, they wouldn't use it in his classroom if he actually took action. Mm-hmm. If he actually checked checked those two students in that moment, they would know. Oh, I better not say anything like this in this classroom. I better not say nothing like that in this classroom. Right. But the fact that you didn't, now they say, "Oh, I can. Oh, oh I, I can do that. I, I can do even more in this class." Mm-hmm. And that was just only that was just only one of the examples that he shared. But like it was, you know, you had. Um, you had alumni students sharing, you had present students sharing, you know, about just about their experience. And also just, you know, some of the teachers being racist. You know what I mean? And um, it was another school where they shared how the one was it the wrestling team at one school. I think it's central, which is another top school in Philadelphia, they were just sharing about the wrestling team at that school and, and they were just saying how the coach does nothing about, about them, you know, the things they say, what they do, they nothing gets done to them. And it's like, you have, we have our kids in these toxic environments, you know, in pursuit of a, a great education, but they're in a toxic environment because we have adults who aren't correcting the behavior in the moment.
0: Hmm. Well, and I think also because we're talking about you know how to speak to our own kids about racism, but you know yeah. it brings up the point like you know it takes a village to to raise a child, and so you know
1: yeah
0: it, it does, and so it's important for you know even if it's not your own kid and you see it, it's important to speak up and this is kind of what right. we talked about last time, like if you see something, say something, and uh yes yeah, right right right
1: so. right it it really does go back to that um and giving your child the space to, um, to speak about what they're feeling and what they're saying. Um, and in particular, children with um, a disability, I, um, I came across this, um, it's, a, it's, it's a blogger, she's a mom, she has twin boys and um, they have autism. And she compiled a list of books that she has actually used herself to introduce race and ethnicity to her, to her boys, and um, so the books that she shared, oh, and and, um, if anyone is interested in um, looking, viewing these books, um, if you go to my Instagram page, at the IEP coach, and that's I-E-P, excuse me, T-H-E-I-E-P-C-O-A-C-H, I have the links um, to all you have to do is just click the link in my bio and I'm going to um, tag, I believe you already liked these, um, these posts already. And, but mm-hmm. I'll just tag you again. So that way they can appear again. Um, so some of the, so all the books she has used with her twin boys who have autism and they are picture books for introducing race and ethnicity. Um, so one was called Dear primo one was called green. It's a chili pepper. One was called B be bim bop one is called the colors of us one is called maybe something beautiful the wheels on the tuck tuck laundry day that's just a name of 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 a few of the books and she also gives you her um when you click on the link she gives you kind of her review of it like why she chose the book why she likes the book so um that was a great resource um that i shared with my instagram community um another link i shared um was books that teach children about racism and discrimination so um one was called um hold up one was called let's talk about race um another was called woke and it was a basically a book that it was a a book for i'll say uh, tweens and teens um focusing on like a, it was like a spoken word poetry and it's called woke a young poet's called the justice um another one was called let's talk about race um another book was this book is anti-racist lessons on how to wake up take action do the work so all the links that i have on a post they'll take you directly to the page and on the page if you wanted to purchase the book um there's a link there for you to purchase the book one is called white flower um how four friends stood up by sitting down let it shine stories of black women freedom fighters so those were um some look what brown can do um so those were like some of the books um another um link was hold up was that the only link oh one another one was whose knees are these hair love the day you begin i believe i can Sulwe, um and that was by um oh my gosh, the actress name is Lupita, Lupita, the actress from Black Panther. Um, this is her book, Luwe, I mean, Sulwe, um, that's her book, um, and these books, um, are, um, uh, more books that talk about, um, um, racism. I mean, excuse me, not racism. Race and diversity. <clears throat> so there are about three. It's about four, four links, um, four different posts on my IG page that will give you access to these books um and to purchase these books if you would like and i think using books is a great way of having the conversation with your children and starting the conversation with your children Mm -hmm. because again the books all have illustrations so just think of when you're just reading a book any book if you're just reading a book about nature or something just how it opens up dialogue with your child you know you you know viewing the pictures and not saying that the pictures and the books that focus on race and discrimination are very um graphic um it's a children's book so of course it's not going to be graphic like that but it can just it gives examples through the pictures of how things were like and uh, um in a certain time and why you know people had to do sit downs why why that had to be done um so books are a great way to um have a conversation and one last book is an abc the ABCs of Equality, um, again, it's a great way to open up the conversation with your child. Um, if you are uncomfortable with yourself, I think a book, using a book will be a great way to have, to have the dialogue with your child or with your children um, about it. And giving them the time to share what they think, share what they know, share how they are feeling and not using blanket statements, not making excuses for someone's behavior and not even making an assumption for a person's behavior. And then, you know, accepting things that are they, they're not used to and correcting the behavior in the moment. So yeah.
0: I think these are great tips. I really like the um, starting with just asking them what they know because I found that with my two littlest ones. Um, It was a a month or so ago, uh, Sesame Street did this like town hall thing to talk about racism. Right. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, this would be a great way. Um, But my kids, like, we're not big TV watchers. So they've never, I don't even think they've seen Sesame Street. So it was kind of lost on them because it was a lot of the adults from the show. And so it just, to them, it was just a lot of adults talking. And. And so then I was trying to, you know, in between, you know, in the commercials, uh, you know, to kind of talk to them about what they had been talking about. And my girls get—I realized they didn't have a point of reference because, you know, they don't, they, you know, we don't really have the news on, and we live in a, you know, predominantly white rural area. Like, you know, it's these aren't really issues that come up here. And so, um, I mean, not not in their world. And so it, it was. It, that I realized that it was awkward to start from. But then, so then I did ask Freya, like, okay, well, so, so what do you know about that? You know, when I was trying to have the conversation, like then she wanted to talk about Rosa Parks and then I got to learn like what she knew about Rosa Parks and, and she talked about Obama. And, you know, then my youngest one was like, I don't, I don't know what we're talking about at all. So it was, I realized it was just a very like discombobulated conversation because I wasn't at all, prepared and then I realized there was no point of reference and anyway so I think that um you know just getting a couple of these books would be you know a great place to start and then you know yeah like you said lead letting them lead the conversation and 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 not putting so much on them just just kind of testing the waters maybe I guess
1: yeah um yeah and then you know also parents have to be prepared to be uncomfortable
0: because mm-hmm. um,
1: I think you know, sometimes they want to say, oh, that doesn't exist, or it doesn't exist in my world. I'm not racist. And I'm like, that's not enough for you to say you're not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you have to educate your child on behaviors that aren't acceptable, things that are not acceptable.
0: Right. So, so when they they're, they're out in people, the-
1: Oh, well, I'm not. Right. Right. When they're out and about and these things yeah. come up, because they be will. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not so much of your house, just your house. You're, it's, it's the world you have to be able to, um, that's just like when you prepare your child, don't talk to strangers. And if someone does talk to you, this is what you do. It's like the same thing. If you're ever you know, out with friends or you're just in school and someone does this or someone says this, speak up. That's just like you want them to speak up if someone's being bullied or someone's doing something. You want them to do the same thing if they hear that language.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good example or good metaphor of why it is important to talk to them even if you think they're not seeing it they will
1: right and they need to exactly be prepared. absolutely yep. <sighs> yep 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 so yeah it's um and I know some parents may feel like well I think they're too young, or they're not ready yet. You have no idea what your child. But I mean, you you have no idea what your child has been exposed to already, just from maybe friends and you thinking, oh, they're being raised this way. You have no idea what goes on in other people's homes, and you know, with their children, and your your child is exposed to certain things. You just don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You just don't know, and it, and you you have to have these conversations with kids. You have to. Absolutely. Like, I feel like this is part of their, this is how, not saying that this is the, the answer and the solution to our problem, but it will help if you have more white parents who have these conversations with their children and teach them how to speak up. Teach mm-hmm. them how to speak up, how to, just, just like, just like um, you know, you want them to speak up when someone's not doing the right thing. If someone is bullying, if someone is, uh, you know what I mean? Bothering, like, it's the same thing. You don't want, you, racism is never okay. Calling someone a derogatory term is never okay. Oppressing someone is never okay. You know, and then the conversation may go into white privilege you know, depending on the age of your kid, it can go into that. And how to use your privilege to help others, to protect others. I saw in one um in one video they um it was it was people protesting. Um it's an African American man and you saw the cops approaching him and a white man got in front of him, stood in front of him, because he knew you're you you're not gonna most likely you're not gonna shoot me. And he stood in front of this black man so that he would not get shot the whole time. He used his privilege to help somebody. And I know some people are like, what? But use your privilege to help someone. Use your privilege to help people. Because white privilege is real. It's something, it, it, it's real. Use it to help people use it to to help to help change legislation excuse me legislation use it to help organize to to organize um uh, uh not not just of course use it to help you know the cause and protest and things like that but also use it for behind the scenes mm-hmm. you know what i mean the the organization part the the part when um uh needing different types of support or um needing um funds to get people who are being arrested just for protesting um using your again using your privilege and your field to help others so yeah it's 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 an important conversation to have that <clears throat> will definitely lead into other conversations mhm again, all these tips came from my, um, my social work friend, um, Cheyenne Burrell, who's a master's level social worker. Um, we, you know, this was something she had to do at her job. And I was like, you know, would you be open to coming on my Instagram live and we having this conversation and, you know, she did. And, um, it's something that is needed. And she said she had a a great response from parents, which I thought was great, you know, asking for the support, you know, how do I do this you know literally one wanted to know uh, how can I have this conversation mm-hmm. and you know just you know the tips she gave were great I think they're great for any conversation you have with your kid but the topic of racism is very important to allow your kid to just speak with no interruptions from from the parent of just everything they they have experienced or seen or or they may have seen, experienced something with a friend. They might have saw, a, they might have heard a friend be called the N word, and they didn't. Know, they knew it was wrong, but didn't know what to do. Right. You know, or it could be a situation where they see a friend being treated, not being treated fairly. but They don't know how to speak because they don't know what to say. It's like they have that feeling this is not right, but they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So have allowing your child to speak about their feelings and everything, and then um, using the, these various different books to help them. And, and kind of even if you want to even do like a a game plan with your kid, just like you do when you say, okay, if a stranger comes up to you, this is what I want you to do. This is the same thing you can do with your kid. If you ever hear someone call someone the N word or they're doing, this is what I want you to do. And then it's like, you're kind of equipping your children with some type of tools to use when they see racism, when they hear, you know what I mean? When they hear um, racist remarks, you're kind of equipping them with what they can do and, when, and what they can say to speak against it versus, versus having all these kids who, I know this is wrong, but I don't know what to do. Because we have a lot of that already, mm-hmm. I know it's wrong, but I don't know what to do. I don't. I don't know. Should I say something? I, I, well, well, it's not. It's not. I don't think that. You know, we have enough of that already. We need. We need um, our children to know it's okay to speak up, and do speak up. Because mm-hmm. and do speak up. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that, um, have a game plan and just all of these tips. I mean, I, I for myself, because I watched um, <clears throat> the first half of that video with your friend until my internet kind of went, gave up. But um, I mean, it, it, I, for me, these are really helpful tips of how to even approach this. And, and so I can really appreciate that idea of having it, giving our kids a game plan as well, because um, yeah, it really, it. It, it's a good place to uh, to start and gives them a good stability on how to approach this, how to uh, approach any potential situations. But um, yeah, very important to be educated about this. And so I really appreciate all of this.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and if anyone wants to actually view the interview that was done, it is on my Instagram page at the IEP Coach, and it's on um, my YouTube page, Jamila the IEP Coach. So you can um, you can go to my um, you can go to my Instagram. You can go to my webpage www because of her. info, and that will connect you. Just click on the YouTube link, um, the YouTube icon, and it will take you right there. The, my, um, the Instagram icon will take you right to the Instagram as well. Um, so if you don't physically have social media or your phone, um, you can go to the website, www.becauseofher.info and you can, um, my Instagram feed is on my webpage, the IEP coach. It's on that, is on that page. So you'll be able to see the different posts and when you go to my website, you can just click on the YouTube icons and it will take you straight to the YouTube page. So you can see that, that interview that I did with my, with um, Cheyenne Morrell. Um, and then you can see other videos as well. So, but yeah, cause I know someone, it can help someone. So